0: believe, and become. Enjoy. So we're finishing up our series, uh, Sticks and Stones. Um, And you know, what's been the point of this series? Here's been the whole point. The whole point has been that your words can help, your words can hurt, or your words can bring hope, and it's up to you as to whether or not they do. And You know, we, we've talked about Proverbs eighteen twenty one, the grow-up verse. It says, death and life are in the power of, to- of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? Those who like to talk a lot, I'm looking at some of you. Those who like to talk a lot uh, will deal with the consequences of their words. You know, every word that we speak, you're planting seeds. And those seeds grow up into trees, and those trees produce fruit. And we will eat the fruit from our words. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to be deliberate. I want to share a scripture with you this morning. And I think this is, I've never heard anyone preach on this. But I think this is, for me personally, this is so convicting. Today we've talked about words that help. We've talked about words that hurt, and it's really hurt. It's really been like defense that we've been talking about. Like, don't say bad things. Don't say things that hurt others. Right? This morning we're going to kind of go on the offensive, and I want to show you why. It's this scripture right here, Matthew twelve thirty six. Says, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Okay. That means we need to pay attention, right? If we're going to give a, if I'm going to give account of something, I need to know what I'm giving account of, right? So here's what we're giving account of: every idle word. Well, idle is kind of a weird word to use here, right? Like I would think that this scripture would say, like every negative word, or every bad word, or every cuss word. Or something like that, right? I would think that's what we would give an account of. But it says, no, every idle word. Well, what does it mean, every idle word? Some translations translate it careless. Others say empty. Every empty word, every careless word. But let me share this with you. The Greek word here is argos. It means unemployed, lazy, useless. Now, don't start thinking about some people that you might know. Unemployed, lazy, useless. It means shunning the labor which one ought to perform. Isn't that interesting that our words can be unemployed? Our words can be lazy. Our words can be useless. See, think about an idle engine. If you're sitting there, by the way, if, if your car's cranked up, your engine's running, but you're not going anywhere, the engine is idle. How many of us have idle mouths? They're running, but they're not going anywhere. They're not productive. And so what this is saying is every idle word, your words have a job. Your words need to get to work. When you're confronted with a problem, whether a problem in your life or a problem in someone else's life, you are expected by God to use your words to work positively in that situation otherwise you're speaking idle words and we're going to give account of those we're going to give account of the times when we could have spoken words that help words of hope and we didn't why because that's our ministry if you've been saved redeemed set free Jesus lives in you you've got a ministry and, and part of that ministry is for you to speak words that work Positively in each situation. Idle words complain about situations instead of pray about situations. Idle words gossip about people instead of blessing people. Idle words accuse others instead of serving others. And see, these idle words, they're non-working. They're not profitable. They're not helpful. It's just a motor running, going nowhere. Instead of idle words, we have to put our words to work and speak words of hope. Now, what is hope? You know, hope is one of those words that's in Scripture. Scripture says in in 1 Corinthians 13, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And we've talked about love a good bit here. We've talked about faith a good bit here. But hope is one of those things that's kind of hard to define. Maybe it kind of gets brushed under the rug a little bit. It's not, kind of, it's not as cool as love or faith. But hope is really important. It abides as well. It remains as well. One is hope. Hope is the expectation that something will happen. Just, that's a really simple definition. Hope is simply the expectation that something will happen happen hope is based on past promises looks to the future but is active in the present here's an example let's say this afternoon you have a friend that's going to come over to your house and visit so you're probably going to do a few things you're going to clean up (laughs) for me it's usually a mad dash hiding things i don't actually clean i just hide things right but, but say they're coming at 4 o'clock, and so it's 4 one and so you're looking out the window, expecting them to come. That's hope that drove you to do that. It's a promise that was made in the past, anticipating something in the future, but right now, you're expecting it. Does that make sense? That's what hope is. Here's another example. You guys know we're... In the middle of, of trying to make room for more people and, and build a sanctuary. And so we have um, gone through the process of paying down our debt. We're debt free now. Of, and we actually have some plans. We don't have the full building plans yet, but we've got like, you know, the general layout of the building and all that. Well, that is our hope. So we have hope for something in the future. The building that we'll one day have doesn't exist yet. But we are operating in hope right now, believing that it will come. Okay? So, this is what hope is. When we speak words of hope, we are helping people to live hopeful in the moment based on the promises of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised, is faithful. He who promised is faithful. You know, hope is the proper response to the promises of God because he's good. He has integrity. He's trustworthy. In light of his trustworthiness, in light of the promises that he's given us, we have hope. But in it interesting, it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Makes me wonder if it's really hope if we haven't talked about it yet. I mean, think about how important giving voice to thoughts can be. I mean, we had Mother's Day a couple weekends ago, right? You may think you have the best mom on the face of the planet, but if you've never told her, how would she know? The confession of your love for your mother is what's needed, not just the feeling of your love. Does that make sense? So in the same way, we have to confess the hope. We have to affirm it, the hope in our lives, we have to affirm with our words. Now, there's been some weirdness about this in the body of Christ. People have tried to use their words as like a way to manipulate God. Or, if I declare this, God has to do it. Right? Well, God doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> okay? He's God. He, 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 he does what he wants. But... Many times he is waiting on us to come into alignment with his will, and he 's wanting us he 's not wanting us to lie about what we really think in hopes it 'll manipulate God into moving he 's looking for the overflow of our heart to come out in our speech. Remember we went about, we, we talked about this last uh, two weeks ago, it said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and so Speaking words of hope is not to manipulate God. It's to reveal your heart. It's just a revelation of what's already inside of you. And so we want to speak words of hope. So this morning, let me, I want to share with you three ways that we can speak words of hope. Here's the first one. Say things that edify others. Say things that edify others. Now, we don't really use the word edify, right? right? I mean, you don't walk around, well, that movie really edified me. <laughs> I just really need some edification. Like We don't say that. Well, that's not like a regular word that we use. It's kind of like a Bible word. But, but let's, just go through, let's just go through what edify means. It means to build someone up. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication... Or corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. It may impart grace to the hearers. Now it says, "Let no corrupt word or corrupt communication." Um, Some translations use a different word. You know, they'll say something like uh, "foul." Well, in the Greek, this is interesting. The word that's translated "corrupt" it literally means "rotten." Like putrid, rancid, left out in the sun, gross, like a, like, a, like a rotten tomato. That's what this word means. And they translate it corrupt, but it, it means rotten. How many times do we open up our mouths and it's like we're pelting rotten tomatoes at people? And we're, we're speaking rotten words. He says, don't, don't use this kind of language, don't use this kind of language, but, but use language that edifies. Now, as I said, to edify is to build up or to promote growth. Imagine everyone's life is a building, and you, when you go up to someone and you begin to talk to them, you are adding building materials to their building. But some of us, we're using rotten materials like rotten wood, and we're hammering it onto their house, and it's just going to cause problems later on. It's going to attract termites. It's going to, something's going to fall and break because it's not stable. So our words can either edify and build up, or they can destroy. So we have to be careful that we use words that edify. Now I love it, it says, let no corrupt word, let no rotten word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for edification, building up, that it may impart grace. Now again, grace is one of those words we don't always know the exact meaning of that. People often misunderstand what grace is. They often confuse it with mercy. And So I just want to take a moment and define grace. Grace is the empowerment to change. Grace is the empowerment for you to change. It's not mercy. Mercy overlooks. Grace overcomes. Mercy relents. It it, it, it overlooks a sin. It relents from giving you the, the bad things that you deserve. But grace removes. It actually removes the problem. Mercy is passive. I'm not going to do what I should. Grace is active. I'm going to do what you don't deserve. God in his mercy doesn't give you the bad things that you deserve. God in his grace gives you the good things you don't deserve. This is the difference between grace and mercy. So speaking words of edification impart grace to the hearer and creates the potential for change. And actually, when you speak words of hope over someone, you are creating a window of opportunity in that person's life to grow spiritually. Occasionally, I like to take a verse, and after going back to the original language, I like to try my hand at it. I often call these the not King Jamie versions. So I've got one here for you that I think is a good representation of of what, what this means. Don't speak rotten, destructive words to people. Instead, build others up. This will promote spiritual growth in them and empower them to change. This is what we're called to do. We're called to edify. We're called to build up for the purpose of helping someone to grow in their walk with Christ. Not throw rotten tomatoes at them. Amen? Here's a second way that we can speak words of hope. Is that we declare future destiny rather than present conditions. Declare future destiny rather than present conditions. All throughout scripture, God treats people according to their potential instead of where they are presently. Now, this is really interesting, and you can go back, if, as you read the stories in, in the Old Testament, and the patriarchs, the fathers, the, the judges, the prophets, and you read about these people, when God deals with them, you, you notice he's dealing with them according to who they are to be, not who they currently are. Genesis seventeen five, God gives Abram a new name. It's Abraham. Well, Abraham means father of multitudes. Guess how many children Abraham had when his name was changed to father of multitudes? Zero. What was God doing? God was declaring his future destiny, not just his present circumstances. Not just his present condition. What if you you did that to your family? What if you did that to your friends? What if you did that, parents? For your children in Judges six, twelve, Gideon, you guys have heard of, Gideon is called a mighty man of valor or a mighty warrior. Even though do you know how many battles Gideon had fought at that point in his life? Zero. Yet he's being addressed by the angel of the Lord as a mighty man of valor, as as a mighty man, a mighty warrior in battle. And his response, oh, wow, thank you so much. His response was, what are you talking about? Why are you letting this happen? You should read it. It's funny. So, look, one of the things that God does that we can do as his sons and daughters is we can declare future destiny over people. What if our main goal, when someone messed up that that we know, what if our main goal was not just to point out their failure, What if our main goal was to speak God's desire over them? How do you think that would change their life? I think it would edify them, right? What we already talked about, it would create an opportunity for change, create an opportunity for grace. Y'all, this is so important. Look, if you're married this morning, I, I think this is one of the secrets to a good, healthy marriage. Declaring who your spouse is, even though they're not there yet, Go ahead and treat them how you wish they were, not how they currently are. I think that's one of the secrets to marriage, you guys. Go ahead and deciding that we're going to honor the potential in them and not punish their shortcomings now. This, this is, this is a, an invitation from God to enter into this. And it's going to take training. You're, you're not going to do this by yourself. You're not, when someone does something wrong, <laughs> makes you angry, hurts your feelings, you're not automatically going to go, well, let me just bless the future of you. <laughs> this is not, this is not what we want to do, right? That's not our default. <laughs> no, we want to say, you're, a, right? We just want to say who they, and they probably are in that moment, whatever word you can think of. They're probably that right now, but God declares future destiny and so can we and that brings hope into a hopeless world here's the third way that we can speak words of hope proclaim the truth instead of the facts proclaim the truth instead of the facts well what do you mean okay so something can be factual but something can be true and not yet factual let me, let me explain. Here's the, here's, here's the difference. I have a headache could be true, but Jesus is my healer. I'm sorry. I have a headache would be the fact, but Jesus is my healer is the truth. You see the difference? Now, again, we, we kind of get this goofed up. In some circles, um, hyper-faith circles, when someone has a headache, the idea, if you really have faith, would be like, well, I don't have a headache. No, that's a lie. You do have a headache. It's, it's not a lack of faith to say what's actually happened. That's just weird. It's actually, You know what it is? It's actually Christian science. You heard of Christian scientists? That's what they do. They deny that something's happening, and supposedly that's going to be what makes it happen. Or It's, it's, it's odd, and it's not biblical. So what we do, though, we don't deny the facts. We proclaim the truth over the situation. Uh, a good example of this is Joel 3.10. He says, let the weak say I am strong. It doesn't say, let the weak say I'm not weak. It's a fact that you may be weak right now. You may be struggling right now. You may be dealing with a situation right now and you may feel really weak. The solution is not to say that you're not weak. The solution is to declare the truth that you're strong. Why? Because of who he is in you. It's really important that we've got to learn how to declare and proclaim the truth, not just the facts. I'll give you an example of this. And I ask permission to use this for my youngest son, Isaac. My kids are, they're good kids. They really don't fight very much. They had their moments earlier on, and we kind of took care of that, you know what I mean? And Isaac was getting into it with his sister, and he said some really mean things. And in that moment, I was listening to him, and I was like, okay, like, this is not how we're how our family 's going to operate. By the way, parents, if your kids are just ripping one another to shreds in the backseat of the car, and you're just listening to it, come on. You got to don't allow them to talk to each other that way. Those words are hurtful. You remember hurtful words when you from when you were a child. Why would you let your children do it to each other? Okay, sorry, I'm just getting in your business. Um, so, so Isaac had he, he said some mean things to his sister, and we had already established this is not how our family is going to operate. And so, I was like, okay, Lord, how do I how do I confront him with this? Besides, Isaac, no, right? Which I mean is true, or, or or doing a punishment, which we did. But I ran into the room, and I said, "Oh no, Isaac, you forgot." He goes, "Wait, <laughs> what?" I said, you forgot, buddy. Man, I'm so sorry you forgot. And he goes, what did did I forget? I said, you forgot that you're a good boy who doesn't talk that way. And he was like, boom. Because I was speaking to his identity. I was proclaiming. The fact was that he had just said something mean to his sister. But the truth was that he was a mighty man of God in training. So I began to speak the truth over him. And he understood in that moment, he understood, okay, I, I, this is not how I am to act. This is not how our family acts. This is not how we use our words. So you can learn to proclaim the truth instead of just the facts. My question to you is this, this morning, I want you to be honest. Do you speak words of hope? Are you on the offensive? Are you building people up? Are you edifying other people? Are you declaring future destiny, not, not, not just present circumstances? Are you de- declaring the truth, not just the facts? Because here's the deal. Every idle word where our mouths are running, but we're not, doing, we're not going anywhere, every idle word it will be given account of. We've got to put our words to work. We've got to make our words ministry. We've got to use our mouths to bring heaven to earth, to show the kingdom is at hand in our houses, in our places of work, in our church, in our community, in our city, in our nation. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. I hope you've enjoyed this series on words. If you're like me, and I think you are, this is probably something we all need to hear multiple times. So I encourage you. We've got CDs in the foyer. We've got our podcast. We've got, we've got the audio on our app. And we've got on our website the video and the audio. I encourage you. Look, this is a regular thing that we all need to hear. Amen? Right. It is. I also want to remind you, the Gideons are going to be at the back door. Give as the Lord leads. And we're about to have baptism here in just a little bit. So stay and cheer for those that are going public in their faith. Amen. Let's do some business with the Lord. Close your eyes. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him this question Do I speak words of hope? What's the thought that bounces back to you immediately? Do I speak words of hope? Am I being deliberate? And bringing ministry into a situation? Or are my words idle, not working? Am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my mouth? Thank you, Holy Spirit, speak to us. What would it be like if we decided to use our words to bring hope into a hopeless world? How would your, how would your, your office where you work, how would it be different? What about your family? What if your family chose to speak words of hope? You can start that change. You can be that change right now. Let me lead you in a prayer where we surrender our mouths to the Lord yet again and we ask him to help us speak words of hope. If you will, just speak this after to me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you To help me speak words of hope. I don't want to speak idle words. I want my words to work. Help me say things that edify others and bring grace to them. Help me declare future destiny, not just present conditions. And help me proclaim the truth not just the facts. I surrender my mouth to you and I invite you to convict me and instruct me when it comes to speaking words of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.